Welcome to episode 72 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. For this episode, I'm talking about my six and a half years being a digital nomad and the advantages and disadvantages of a nomadic lifestyle. If you've decided that you want to try remote working for 2022 and are unsure what it actually entails, then I share my tips in this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. It was back in 2014 when I exclaimed to a friend that I was going to be a digital nomad. Six and a half years later, except for the time during COVID, I still technically am a nomad. So that's a lot of years of not really having a place to call my own and roaming the globe. And even though I've been experiencing digital nomad travel for years, I feel as though I'm still learning about it. It's evolving and it is one of the biggest trends for 2022. So many new places are popping up for digital nomads. So for this episode, I'm going to just be talking about the lifestyle and the ups and downs that it comes with. And if you're looking to become a digital nomad or even looking to remote work somewhere for a week or two weeks, I'll be sharing why you should go for this lifestyle with my honest tips and advantages and disadvantages. First of all, you may be thinking, what exactly is a digital nomad? Which is the question that I get a lot when people ask me what I do or what I am. So in my definition, it's someone who's able to work from anywhere as long as they have their laptop. That could mean that you're employed, but your employer allows you to work from a different country or you own your own business. You're able to work on your own schedule or you're self-employed and have the freedom to work from different destinations that that might need to be in a similar time zone to the one where you've got your work set up. During my six and a half years, I've met bloggers like myself, freelance writers, lots of software engineers, translators, and even people who teach English online, or or people wanting to experience a different culture and meet other people who are doing the same. You do have the freedom to work from wherever you want, obviously COVID restrictions pending, And being a digital nomad means that you don't just have to travel in the summer. You can also escape the winter months and go somewhere warmer. I'm not really a lover of the winter, so if I can escape it, then I will. Say, for example, if you fancy swapping a cold European winter for somewhere in Bali in Indonesia for three months, then you obviously can, depending upon restrictions. Another advantage is that it teaches you to learn the art of slow travel which really does help you immerse yourself more into the country because you're staying in a place for longer. And in this new travel landscape, slow travel does seem to be the way to go, especially if you have to pay for PCR tests before and after each trip. It does make travelling a lot more costly. So staying somewhere a bit longer actually gives us a feel of the place and it allows us time to settle in more and make more meaningful friendships. Another advantage obviously is seeing the world as you travel so you can stay as long as you want spend the weekdays working and then the weekends exploring when I spent a month in Athens I visited the islands on some of my of my weekends and took long weekends so that way you can have the best of both worlds you can have a routine Monday to Friday and then a new experience every weekend as well the downsides 
there are several countries that have also jumped on the nomad bandwagon and they've created digital nomad visas to attract more remote workers. I believe there are about 52 countries now that have created these new visas for people wanting to work from different countries. And of course, this is great news for those of us who want the freedom to be able to live from where we choose. But some of the destinations, such as the Caribbean, do require you to have a minimum salary to be able to apply for the visa, which may be out of your salary range, especially if you're just starting out and you have your own business. But then on the plus side, depending on which passport you're travelling on, you can usually enter countries for up to three months anyway. So if you're not planning on staying for a year, for example, you don't really need to go for the nomadic visa. Another disadvantage is that you do live out of a backpack or a suitcase without comforts that you may be used to. Unless you bring everything with you or you invest in some luxuries when you're in a destination, it can make it slightly more challenging to really settle in, especially if you're used to having a blender or a juicer like me, or your yoga mat or, or even your weights or your creature comforts with you. Another thing that I have noticed is that apartments in certain destinations aren't built to the same standard that you may be used to. And I'm talking about apartments in Scandinavia or the UK, for example, that can be quite soundproof. So if you're in the Mediterranean, you're never too sure who your neighbours are going to be. And you can generally hear them through the thin walls and the floors, which makes living somewhere else quite difficult for someone like me who needs complete quiet. It can also get a bit lonely if you're solo and it may take you a while to get to know people, especially if you're more of an introvert. Some places are very transient, which means that people that you meet, they may only be passing through short term or you may be the one that's moving on after making deep relationships. Not understanding the local language can be a struggle as well if you need to use his services and aren't a resident. When I used the doctors in Barcelona when I lived there, the amount of anxiety I had beforehand because my Spanish was not very good. It, it made it very difficult for me to be able to go to the doctor, but that is my own fault because I'm not very good at Spanish. It can be a challenge, even if you're going to the pharmacy or if you're looking to buy a car or rent a place through an agency. But if you do stay long enough, then you'll soon pick up a few phrases. And you generally always meet someone who could speak fluently and they can help you out when you first arrive. My digital nomad tips. So even though I've just gone through the advantages and disadvantages, I do believe that the advantages outweigh the downsides. But with any choice in life, there obviously is some sacrifice and some downsides, depending on how you can look at it. So as a digital nomad, can you really work from anywhere? And yes, before the pandemic, I spent six years living as a nomad and I worked from so many places. I spent three months in the Caribbean where I worked from Airbnbs and hotels. I've worked from a hostel in Edinburgh. I lived in Colombia and Barcelona. Also, when I was living in Colombia, the concept of co-working spaces hadn't really begun then, but there was a cafe that I could go to where others were working on their laptops. Another tip is to maybe test it out for a week because sometimes a place may not resonate with you. A month in Paris may sound amazing, but the reality when you get there is that you may feel isolated and it may not be as sociable as you thought it would be. It's also worth checking out Airbnb because they offer a discount on monthly stays, which works out cheaper than staying week by week. So you could always pay for accommodation to stay there for a week 
and then have a look around when you're there for accommodation and actually see the place before renting it before you get there just to make sure that you don't have any noisy neighbours and it's warm enough and that it has everything that you need. You can also look for accommodation discounts for midterm stays. So for example, Generator Hostels, I've just stayed with them in London, they were offering 50% off their roommates for longer stays. Another tip is look for co-working cafes. In Athens, I visited two cafes that were really welcoming to remote workers. And even though I wasn't talking to anyone, it made me feel more productive just being in the environment of other people also working on their laptops. I've got no idea if they're actually working, they might be paying solitaire, but it just makes me feel as though I want to be productive too. Saying that, I have seen no laptop signs in some cafes in Barcelona, so you need to make sure that the cafe is open to it. During my week in Bergen in Norway last winter, I spent an afternoon at a different cafe every day. So that way I was able to have a different environment to work in and I wasn't overstaying my welcome in the cafe. I quite like cafe hopping as well. Another tip is to check the Wi-Fi before you travel or buy a SIM card. In some hotels or hostels, the Wi-Fi in certain rooms may not be as strong as it is in a common area, especially if you're on a certain floor or you're very far away from the main office. It may also be worth paying for a Wi-Fi hotspot. I've never actually done this, but I did recently meet a girl who was working online in Sintra National Park in Portugal, and she'd actually bought a portable Wi-Fi hotspot with her, and it worked really well. You can always look for expat and digital nomad groups on Facebook. There are so many now. All you need to do is just type in, for example, digital nomads in Greece, and then join the group, and you can ask advice on where to work, events, and even places to stay. They can normally help with any questions that you might have about the destination, such as finding a hairdresser or tax if you want to stay there a bit longer. You can join a platform called Meetup to meet other people in the area. I love the Meetup platform. It's free to join. And even if you're only there for a week, so I spent a week in Lisbon, I threw myself into nomad life. Through Meetup, I joined a writing group on the weekend I attended a comedy night on the Friday night, a wine and mingle evening and a co-working event after work hours. And I attended a Facebook advertising talk as well. So there's nothing like just throwing yourself into social events when you first get there to meet people. And I found that I kept bumping into the same people at the events, which really helped to make integrating myself into the city much easier. They usually have hiking groups on the weekends too, and all other different types of activities that you may be into. There's normally a yoga and a meditation group wherever you're looking for on the Meetup platform. And there are now cryptocurrency talks if that's what you're into. Another community you can join is Coco Hub. They're a global living and co-working community for digital nomads. Their main hub is in Malta, but they also have communities where you can co-live in Barcelona, Mexico, such as Playa del Carmen. Parma, Lisbon, Mexico City. I've joined their Telegram chat and it's really easy to connect with everybody and you can find others who are traveling to lots of different destinations around the world. So I joined before I arrived in Athens and I asked if anybody was in Athens at the same time. I met this really cool German girl who is also a nomad and we hung out together and I wouldn't have met her if I hadn't have joined the Coco Hub. They also have 59 Cocoa Hubs around the world. 
Another tip is to look for co-working parties and to help look for co-working places and to find the right one for you that you want to work from, that you kind of feel like is the right place and the right inspiring environment that you want to work from. There are platforms such as Coworker or Croissant. Croissant is used to save over a 50% drop-in rate in cities such as London, Barcelona, Berlin, Canary Islands, Stockholm, lots of cities in the United States as well, such as New York or San Francisco. Normally you pay for a day in a co-working space, but if you sign up for Coworker, they can give you 50% off the normal daily rate. For example, a daily rate that I've encountered would be 10 euros. I've just been in Portugal and checking out the digital nomad community there. There were co-working spaces that were from 10 euros. Some of them included coffee. Some of them also included light bites as well. The other app is called Coworker and they have more than 18,500 co-working spaces on this site. You can pay for different types of passes and you can also sign up for a global pass where you can work in up to more than 3,000 cities. Nomad List is a really fantastic resource. I looked at this years ago when I was in Barcelona just to look at other destinations and get some ideas of where else I could go and I could work from. It gives a rating system, so it helps you decide the best places to live as a nomad, whether you want to go there for a week or stay for several months. They do have a community, which I've never joined, but they have more than 30,000 remote workers living around the world. But what I love about their website is that they show you different destinations that you could live in and then they score them on the internet speed, which is obviously very important if you have your laptop, the temperature, safety, cost of living. I do find that the cost of living that they put on the site is more than you are able to pay. What I mean by that is that you sometimes can get accommodation for less than what they've stated on the website. It's better to get it that way round and for them to overestimate so that if it comes under, then it's fantastic. But they also rate it on places to work from, how friendly they are to foreigners, which is also very important, and how friendly they are to women, which is perfect for solo female travellers. So if you're unsure where you would like to work remotely from, then check out Nomad List because they give you lots and lots of ideas. And it's not just cities, it can be towns that you never thought of as well. My biggest tip is to get Nomad Insurance. Safety Wing is a company that I have just switched to. I have in the past used True Traveller and also World Nomads, but I've just recently switched to Safety Wing because they cover you regardless of your vaccination status. And because I never know where I'm going to be from month to month, it's a lot more flexible. So it's perfect for me at the moment. If you're interested in how I became a digital nomad, well, at the beginning of this episode, when I stated that I wanted to become a digital nomad to a friend, that was in 2014. I then booked a one-way ticket with another friend, not really knowing where I was going to end up. But that place became Medellin in Colombia, which I've written several blog posts about on my website because I absolutely love the city. But during my one and a half years of living there, I worked online to try and build up my blog whilst I was also working part-time for a media company, which was actually based in England with the time difference I would work for them in the afternoons. Then after that, I worked part-time for Medellin Living, 
which is a blog all to do with living in Medellin and different things to see and do in the city before I then became the advertising manager for them for a while. As I moved around, I freelanced as a travel journalist, pitching websites and various magazines until I was eventually sustaining enough income from my own blog so I was able to stop pitching, which takes so much time. I would then work during the weekdays and then explore or travel to the next place on the weekends. From South America, I travelled through Central America. I then stayed in the Caribbean for three months, pitching tourist boards to try and stay for free or to get a discount so that I could promote their islands to solo female travellers. I even lived in a hostel in Panama City over Christmas and New Year, but I soon became burnt out. It's very, I don't want to say challenging because, because obviously being a travel blogger is a privilege and it's a very lucky lifestyle, but travelling and researching and writing about it at the same time, I was just travelling too fast and I wasn't balancing all three of those and having any rest time as well, so I did become very burnt out. If you are doing this lifestyle, you have to be really organised to be able to work online, especially if you're going all in on your own business. From there, I then travelled around South America for another three months. And then wanting to be in Europe and closer to my family, I decided that I needed to change things up a bit. And I wanted a place to work from. It's great being able to work on your own schedule and on your own stuff, but I really missed having a place of work to go into and it's quite ironic that I couldn't wait to leave my office job for a life on the road to then miss actually being able to go into somewhere to work on my own terms, obviously. So I wanted co-workers and people who I actually wanted to work with and it was only when I moved to Barcelona that I found them in my next nomadic home and that became my base and I committed to a room and use my base while I continue to travel and always returning to the to Barcelona. Then after a year and a half, that seems to be my maximum amount of time in a place, I was ready to leave the city and get back to a life on the road. So I spent 2019 travelling and working online at the same time. Again, travelling too fast. Will I ever learn? But I was researching destinations for the blog and trying to reach my goal of 100 countries solo before the end of 2019 which I did. And it was amazing and very empowering (laughs) to reach that country. Since then, I've worked from the Canary Islands, Greece, Norway, Scotland, just got back from working in Madeira, and basically anywhere else that my pink suitcase has had a temporary home on the road. Being able to work on my own projects in an inspiring co-working place and meet other travellers with a similar mindset reminds me that I'm not alone in my nomadic journey. As I mentioned earlier, it can get quite lonely when you're solo traveling. So it's just really great to meet those kind of connections when you're traveling around. I really hope that I've inspired you to take the plunge to try it too. As for my next digital nomad destination, who knows where my journey will take me. I will definitely be writing about it. If I have inspired you to remote work from different destinations in the world, I do actually have an article on why choose a nomadic lifestyle on the Girl About the Globe blog. And I also have an article on my favourite destinations. It's called Living a Nomad Life, which will give you some ideas of where you might want to start remote working from. And that is it for the end of the series five of Girl About the Globe. I'm 
ending the series just before the holiday season and Christmas 2021. This year has been extremely challenging and crazy. I really hope that you get a chance to unwind during the holiday season and enjoy time, whether that's solo or with friends or family, and take some time off and practice a bit of self-love and really reconnect with yourself over the holiday period. And I will see you again when Series 6 kicks off in January 2022. In the meantime, happy holidays and have a fantastic new year. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.